Welcome to What Are We Singing? I'm your host, Trent Walker. So glad you joined me this week. Sorry, I might sound a little under the weather. I spent the entire day out yesterday in downtown Richmond, Virginia, uh, and I took three of my older boys out of school for this, and we went and did a March for Life with Virginia pro-life uh, groups. Um, there's some things happening in the Virginia state government this year that we really need to rally around uh, the sanctity of life. And so I'm excited to be a part of that and do that. And that was a lot of fun for us. But today we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Dave Helmuth. Dave runs a ministry called AdLib Music. He's been a coach in the worship arena. And AdLib Music is a coaching ministry for worship leaders to be the best version of themselves. A really cool organization. He and his family live in Costa Rica now. And I really wanted to get Dave on here because he has such a, a, a knowledge of the worship world within America, but now he's got such a broader perspective of it living in Costa Rica now. So I can't wait for you to hear more about his take on uh, the worship world, uh, worship in the church today, uh, church culture today, really. And we recorded this uh, now uh, just about six weeks ago. So it was right after Christmas. So you're going to hear us talk about Christmas services on here. So just to put that in perspective. And then stick around to the end. We'll talk about what we're going to focus on for what are we singing next week. So let's get right to it. Well, anyways, dude, I got to yeah. ask you some good worshipy questions. Okay. Things about worship, the greater conversation of where we're at. So this podcast is called What Are We Singing? And I just mm -hmm. got done talking about the song Holy Forever by Chris Tomlin. Huh. I just saw song? that one. I Well, I was just looking at Planning Center and the top songs, and that's a new one. I was like, I don't know that song. Let me, let me check it out. Oh, okay. So you've already hinted into the, the little subtle... Um, um script that i use for that i'm using for talking about the songs that i'm talking about by saying what are we singing i'm literally going and looking at planning center's top songs and saying well what is kind of rising up through the charts and what is statistically what what is the church singing and this this is a big one you know this is a huge one now i made mention in there that something that's really remarkable to me right now in the church in the global church, and I'll, I'll say it that way, is, uh, well, how do I say it? I was listening to, this is part of the podcast that I was talking about. I was listening to a, um, a, uh, a podcast from a reputable Christian source that really made me mad. These Christians, quote unquote, Christian leaders gave their predicaments over where the church is going this year. Like, what is the future of the church this year? And every single one of them gave this woe, doom and gloom, hopelessness. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. And if I'm really honest with the way that they were talking, all of it, was contingent upon the fact that their assumption of the American church was crumbling and that people haven't come back to the church since pre, you know, the numbers haven't gone back since pre pandemic levels. 
to which I made mention on, on my podcast. Yeah, but the church in Latin America is growing significantly. Are you oblivious to that? Like, or, or is just the church American to you? I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> so, yeah. how, you know, like we have to, I need to hear your thoughts into this. Like, how is this work? You, you're living in Costa Rica, you know, how does, how does the, how does the worship world thrive out there? What does it look like to you? You know? Yeah. Well, so, okay. It'd be really easy for any of us in any, in any seat to put on our black robes and judge people who are in our seats and and i don't want to do that because i feel like you know if i was in my bubble i would do the same thing and and i think the the only danger is that we don't realize we're in a bubble there you go wow you know i i as an american church person i don't realize that this is just a little fraction of the body of christ this way of doing things i you know i was going to write a, a fertilizer about um uh, do you, did you know that Christmas Eve services is like an American thing? <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I was going to share my, my, you know, Christmas Eve worship service. Like we just had a, a morning service at, at our church here and they didn't do any Christmas songs in the worship set. They did have a couple of special songs that the ladies got up and sang afterwards, but like it did not shift the, the, the tone or the tenor of their, of the worship music at all. And there was, there was never, I was talking to the pastor about this and I said, you know, it's a big deal in the U S like not every church I would say, but maybe, maybe half the churches, like they make it a big deal. Another 25%, they do something, but it's real low key. And then 25% don't do anything. That's just my guesstimate. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, um, you know, I, I said, but, but here there's, does anybody do Christmas Eve services? He goes, if we would have one, nobody would show up. Absolutely. I mean, Christmas Eve in, in, in Costa Rican culture and Latin culture is Christmas Day. Christmas Day is almost like just another, another day. So Christmas Eve is a family night. Like you would never have a church service then ever. Yeah. Wow. But but and, and that's that's only interesting because, you know, you read the socials and, and you read the people bemoaning you know, Christmas Eve and the planning and, you know, all the funny things about this is the the young worship leader at the beginning of December and the old worship leader at the end of December, you know, if you've seen those memes. And it's just like, there's just, there's such a big pressure and a big deal about Christmas Eve. Yeah. And the church in America doesn't realize that you're in, in a bubble. Like this is not the, the majority of the church. Like there's other countries that do that, but the majority of the church worldwide doesn't do a big Christmas Eve service or aren't such things as Christmas and Easter Christians that doesn't wow. exist. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, I don't... That, that was a big deal. That, that very thing you talked about was a big deal when, when Siobhan and I stepped out of the vocational ministry of being on staff as a worship pastor, mm. that was just, again, there were many different things that we really prayed about for one, we weren't going to do anything until we felt called that God was really calling us into a new season. But the woes that I carried at my church were the things like holidays, like my family, I have a family of seven. My family hated Christmas and hated Easter. Like, what is that? I didn't want to be raising a generation of children that actually hated those holidays because, well, Christmas Eve, again, like you said, was huge for us and it wasn't just christmas eve it's all the build up to it it's almost like you know 
you know, yeah, it was, it was stressful. It was and rushed. And then your whole, you know, kids Christmas break would be taken up by your working all the way up until the wee hours of the night and Christmas Eve. And then we would have to go and clean up the week after. And it was just stressful. And then yeah. as soon as you jump right back in, in January, you're prepping for Easter. And right. those two holidays, man, were so, so challenging. And yeah, I mean, and, and, it, and even then, like, I mean, it's, it, it's still kind of like that, but not, not as much. And, you know, obviously, you know, I don't have to carry that pressure though, though this past Sunday, you know, uh, or this, not this past, this past, uh, Christmas was Christmas Eve was on a Sunday. Yeah. And so I led worship at two different churches. So there was a little bit of that again, thankfully we had some, some tradition and some things in there that the kids were ready for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and even in the churches that are more liturgical, that don't do necessarily a big Christmas Eve thing, you know, the whole Advent build up and switching yeah. out the repertoire. And, you know, I, I, I was scarred by <laughs> yeah. this experience where I was I was at a church and I, they were a lot more hymny than I was there. They have that their 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 tradition and their history was full of hymns. And I had limited hymns in my background. So I was like, you know what? the right thing to do is to do more hymns, especially during Advent. So I said, I'm going to do all Advent, uh, all hymns, all Advent. Wow. I just said, let me just, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I, like, I had to learn songs and, you know, like the whole bit. Yeah. And I, and I, I got done leading, leading one of those Advent Sundays. And this lady comes up to me and she's like, we need to do more hymns. And I was just like, didn't I just do a bunch I did all hymns. Like, were you in the same room? I don't, what? I don't, what? I just blew my mind. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but that just, that just tells you how, how much, I mean, for years we have um, conditioned, I guess, people to yeah. expect a certain thing. You know, I, you know, we talk about this at, at, at home and like, it just, my, my daughter would say, it just, it just doesn't feel like Christmas. I was like, mm. tell me more about that. What does that mean to you? Yeah. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It's just not cold. There's no snow. There's no presence. We're not surrounded by family. Yeah. I haven't talked about Jesus yet. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I know. what is this about? What is it? You know, and, and um, actually, and, and this is probably true uh, for the Christmas thing too. Like there's, there's a, there's a, a dual reality in church. You've got the, you've got the organization of the church that has a mortgage and has bills and has staff and changes the carpet. Right. And then you have the organism of the church, the, the, the body of Christ's spiritual community of faith. And they have to coexist because yeah. like they live together. And so Christmas and, and all that thing and Easter and all that thing and you know, flower dresses and Easter egg hunts or whatever you're you're doing, like that's part of the organization. That's like that's not part of the resurrection, but like it's part of the life. And I I, I get the connection. I'm not faulting it, but like Sometimes because those things are so intertwined and connected, it's hard to separate and, and, and drop, be able to drop the stuff that you need to drop. That is not like that, that critical yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and like we did our family, we did Advent differently this year. I would say the only thing different we did to Advent this year is we actually like vlogged it. We just simply put it up. But for us, it wasn't any different than what we'd been doing over the past seven years, which honestly was something we started up after I left 
you know, being a paid staff on, you know, creative arts pastor at a church. And that was because, and I, I made mention in this, you know, our series is that I literally was like desperate to grab hold of some thing in this season that would remind myself and my family why we are doing what we're doing. And I needed another, it's not like an alternative to Christmas, not at all. I needed another way to celebrate Christmas that everyone else was not celebrating. And even like, I, I I feel I feel like I would say this that if I went to a church that demanded so much of me on staff or as a parishioner for those four weeks before Christmas, I probably would not like Advent either. But because I could do the very thing that the church was doing at home, that was great. And we all loved it. And it felt like, oh, this is why we do what we do. Now, I mean, I think that speaks to maybe some of the areas that we tend to veer away in the church. Like we know that we're on the straight and narrow. We know that the season ought to be about the the advent, the coming of Jesus. But yet we have to do all the special little things and, and you know, coexist among family and, and the service. But yet sometimes the service and the programming of the church takes so much energy and expends so much resources that that we're actually doing it doing the job of discipling our families and our children for the families and the children does that make sense like like we're almost replacing like you know the very things that you know we learned when we traveled uh in our rv i mean i'd been in a in a uh pretty cutting edge, you know, slightly charismatic, more seeker sensitive church environment where we had everything dialed in, big church, fast growing church, all the systems, all the bells and whistles. And then when we stepped out of that, we just began to travel with our family and we met other families who were, you know, in their RVs. And for Christmas time, and and just Sunday morning church, like these other families would be like, let's sing together. And their kids would sing songs that I'd never heard of. And I'm like, oh, I feel so ashamed because, <laughs> because I feel like, well, you don't know Phil Wickham, Phil Wickham songs? You know, why aren't you doing those? And I'm like, no, I, this is precious and beautiful. And I'm actually really disappointed that my children kind of, don't know how to just sing to the Lord without an electric guitar and a drum set. (laughs) Those little things of just how precious it is for the family to do it on its own while having the support of the church, you know, that, that would be something worth seeing. And, and I think hopefully we see in the change today, but you know, I mean, like, yeah, like how different is Latin America doing worship services and, quote unquote church that it's growing versus maybe the American programmed church that's not. Yeah. Well there's um I mean a, a couple of things come to mind. One is that that there is um there is a comfort and a a wealth and an ease of the American life. Um that that I think when you're in it you don't realize it. Um, 
And so there is less of that in Latin American countries. There's just, there's a lot less economic resource. There's a lot more poverty. Um, you know, I'm hard. You're happy to have that you have food on the table uh, and clothes to wear. Like literally like people will pray that often, mm. you know, in, in, in church. Um, and um, so there's just a greater awareness built into the reality of life. Not that life is hard and, you know, it's just it's harder than americans could ever dream of which is why like missions trips open people's eyes to like oh my goodness like what you guys have to deal with that wow it was really hard like we didn't have hot water it was terrible <laughs> okay cool that, uh, that's, that's the a, line that's a luxury yeah. yeah so anyway so so i i think there's a there's different things in the water and so there's maybe a, a more natural um I think people are more aware of their need. I think is what, what I'm trying to say uh, outside of the U S just because there is such, such great wealth in the U S and I'm not saying there's not poor people in the U S but like poor people in the U S are richer than a lot of people here. Right. Um, but I think the other, the other dynamic is like Costa Rica has, has long admired the U S has long copied the U S like, um, and I, I just saw some politician the other day said, you know, something about the, the United States leading the world. And I thought, what an arrogant statement. But that's that is kind of how we see the world. We like we are the leaders. We are the best country in the world, you know. And I remember being blown away. We had some Chinese exchange students to stay with us for a while, and when we lived in the states, and they were talking about China the way we talk about the U.S. And we thought, like, you like China? I thought China was terrible. They make terrible products, and there's communism. And would you like it? They're like, oh, that's the best place in the world. And I was like, whoa, and, you know. But that's so I, so, so there's a, a certain, your eyes. yeah, there's certain perspective and culture that the U S there is a gift there. I'm not denying that. And there's influence there. Absolutely. In Costa Rica, there's a lot of, of trying to, trying to be like the States, you know, fashion wise, music wise, whatever is popular in the U S it used to be, you know, back before the internet existed, it used to be that it, it took, there was a lag time of, you know, a couple of months before we got the movies here or before the trends came down. Now it's a lot quicker. And, and I definitely see in churches a lot of that same thing. I mean, you know, we, we have this, I think our church is a little bit unique and, and based on the churches that I've been to, I would, I would agree with myself, with my assessment. <laughs> um, you know, it's a church of about 100 people. It meets in um, it, like a, an old. Uh, uh, if you you could you could park two semi truck trailers in the building, and it was like I think it was like a mechanic shop at, at one point. When we started going there, it was it was a, a macadam uh, floor. It didn't have regular flooring. It was just a street. Um, but they have they have little lights, LED lights shooting up on the back wall, and you know little lights coming down from the top. Um, and, you know, full sound system. But I mean, and this. This is a very worship centric church. There's the, the pastor is a musician and a worship leader. So he has literally developed everybody on the team, taught them how to play instruments. And there's usually a dozen people out of a church of a hundred. There's a dozen people on the stage almost every Sunday, you know, bass, drums, two electric, <laughs> two keyboards and singers. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's lit and, a, and acoustic guitar just for kicks. Um, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and when I'm playing sometimes two electric guitars or acoustic guitars, um, but the, the truth is, I mean, they, they sing, it's 
probably not quite half and half of songs that were written originally in Spanish and half from the U.S. that are translated into English. Um, and and that's fine. That's cool. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I feel like the, the thing that is different about this particular church, and obviously not all churches are like, are like this, they, they focus so much on discipling their people. You know, the, the, the pastor has, has literally discipled the entire worship team, both taught them how to, how to play every week. They meet together virtually to go over a book they're reading on. So they're very discipleship focused. There's several discipleship tiers in the church that are happening almost every Sunday after church, the service ends and there's a half an hour of, of discussion around the stuff that you've, that you've studied this, this week. Um, everything is kind of built and designed around discipling others. And I was thinking, as you were talking about the, the big production and the big, um, uh, how, how taxing it is on all the staff and, and all the, the volunteers. Um, I, I feel like you can do that. You can do a big production. That's okay. If you do it in such a way that your bent is making disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true for the big services and for every Sunday. I feel like if, if, you know, if your job as a worship leader is just getting Sunday done and making it as good as possible, brother, you, you, you missed the mark. You were supposed to disciple people. You were supposed to launch people. You were supposed to develop and encourage people on your team to not just be the same place that they were, you know, yeah. or to hire them in or whatever. Like, you know, I, I feel like this conversation needs to be redemptive in terms of like, what can we do? How can we yeah. fix the things that are off? You know? So it's like, first of all, well, I have to realize that maybe I am in a bubble. What does the rest of the church look like? And I don't know if I can see that on YouTube because I, you could probably find churches in other countries that aren't big churches that have a lousier than average, you know, YouTube capture of their service and, and watch it to get a feel for what they do. I don't know. <laughs> but, but just beginning to see that, man, there's a big world out there and the church has a lot of different flavors and components and styles. And, um, and I'm just thinking like, if I, if I switch my mindset, um, into like, look, man, everything that we do has to be about discipling the people under my care as you know, if I'm church staff, that's, and that's, that doesn't fly in every church. I get that. You know, yeah. the larger church is like, sorry, there's, this is not a, 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 a farm league. Hey guys, really quick. I want to tell you about a new song I've just released called, Do You Believe in This? This song is about the resurrection. In fact, it's the very words that Jesus used to talk to Martha when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's a powerful verse and it is part of the worship with the word music that I'm releasing this year. Come check it out. You can find it on streaming services everywhere. But I also want to tell you that we are trying to raise about $700 for this song to cover the production costs, to turn it into a fully produced song, and the artwork for it as well. Really excited about this as we're gearing up to build our school and prepare for our seminar called Worship with the Word coming up really soon. So would you consider giving $10 to help this song go farther? The song is called Do You Believe in This? And it is on streaming services everywhere now. <laughs> but yeah. what it is you're saying is so good. I mean, it's so good. It's when you talk about like family, 
you know, like there's a reality that as a father, you desire to not just raise a child and, and kind of feed them and yeah. pay for things. No, you desire to disciple them and watch them grow and have the joy of seeing your children make decisions on their own and have that thought process in their own head of like, what, what is God saying to me? And I can hear his voice for myself. Um, and yes, I, I do think, I, I do think there's, we need that redemptive thing in the American church for sure. And I, that's where I think it frustrates me is I don't, I don't want to speak hopelessness over the church. If anything, yeah. like I think the Bible talks about a pruning and if God is pruning his church, well, maybe it's that we need to make disciples again. And yes, maybe it is that, which I, I believe it wholeheartedly. Like I, I believe the worship leader is not supposed to be a worship leader. I believe they're supposed to be a pastor, a, a, a psalmist, one that leads people into the presence of the Lord. And I made a, a I was remembering back years ago and, you know, I mean, I don't even know if it still exists today, but there was a magazine called worship leader magazine. I used to get this magazine. Yeah. I'd read it. And I remember like whole articles would be devoted to the, the conversation of like, you know, the, the balance between the pastor and the worship leader. And I mean, is that conversation gone now today? Are people having that conversation? I don't really know because I don't know if the magazine exists. But one of the things that I remember, it was kind of a a tongue in cheek joke that would be that would be like, you know, uh, you'd you'd hear a pastor say to the worship leader, like, hey, why don't you sing the songs and I'll preach the message? It was kind of like yeah. a joke that like you're no good at preaching, just like I'm no good at singing. And we we're supposed to agree with that. But I'm thinking now I look back on that and I think that's a really terrible assessment and a terrible like declaration because for one, we're all supposed to preach the word of God. And what is the, who decides what is good on preaching the word or not? Is it who, is it who exegetes it well enough or is, is the deciding factor on who can put a story spin on the gospel so much, or, you know, what if, what if the word of God spoke for itself? <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot though, an awakening in myself too, of knowing that like, okay, you know, but this is the story of the church, right? If we err, then we come back to the father, we come back to him. And, and, and I, by all means, I want to hear somebody say, not with like cheap words of like, Hey, good luck to this year. You're going to have a great year in the name of Jesus. No, like we need people preaching hope that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace, joy, and we can thrive when the world is going through famine, as Psalm 37 says. We can have a peace in a storm, you know, you know. Let's say this year is tumultuous for the American church. What does does that does that mean God isn't on his throne? <laughs> you know? Like like why do we have to declare hopelessness? I just and and yeah, it is kind of joyful to see some of these things and and maybe we don't know it. Like you said, maybe we're in a bubble. We just don't know where the kingdom of God is growing and thriving, you know. 
Um, I think that's pretty remarkable to kind of see and hear those stories, especially as worship leaders too, you know, because, you know, and again, well, I mean, maybe speak into what AdLib does a little bit more too, because I'd love to hear more about that, especially for our listeners too. But, you know, like the the majority of the worship background that I had growing up was, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Like if it wasn't like new and cutting edge, we didn't do it. Hymns, man, hymns were of the devil because <laughs> that was part of an old dying church, you know, and, and wow. I, I had to grow a lot, you know, and, and uh, when I, you know, kind of stepped into our own evangelistic ministry, traveling around and, and preaching, teaching then, you know, I would do, you know, contract gigs, if you will, for, for churches as a, as a guest worship leader. Um, and I would often be asked to sing hymns. And again, like I, I was not, I did not grow up on hymns, but the church that we were at in Kona for the past five years, they're the oldest church in all of Hawaii oh. and they had a hymn service. And so every week I was leading hymns and I got really good at leading hymns and comfortable where I'm like, oh, I actually love some of the depths of these. You know, I am also to the point where I'm like, I, I feel like I have a voice of authority to speak into saying when I, when I believe a hymn is completely heretical and we shouldn't be singing it. You know? So that exists too, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Songs are songs are songs. And, you know, they're, they're not all, they're not all, they don't all work. They don't all fit. They don't all make sense. Um, I mean, even, 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 well, I'm just, this is just a thought that's crossing my mind, but like, uh, uh, because of a, of a cultural context that you're in, in a church, that song might make a whole lot of sense. Whereas another one might just confuse people. Yeah. And in, and in different churches, the exact opposite. It's like, ah, that's, that's just, I don't, that messes with our people's heads. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, doesn't say the right thing. It doesn't work because our culture is different. Not even like our theology is different. It's just, anyway, the water is different. Yeah, um, for sure. That's a but, whole different conversation too. Right, right. Um, well, I mean, you know, one of the things that this is this is one of my one of my growing passions is you know we we're here serving in Costa Rica and and when we when we moved here four and a half years ago about like the, one of the ideas we had was to to have worship team missions trips, bring your worship team down for mission trips or and I like this almost better is get a group of a dozen worship leaders in your area together and go on a mission trip together. Cause I'm just, I'm such a regional champion. I love the body of Christ working together. I love people being in relationship with each other. I was like, man, we're, we need to build relationships that strengthen the church. It's one of my passions. So that's cool. We had that idea in mind. Um, but then also, um, you know, I was, I was back in the States for a, a conference I was teaching at earlier this earlier last year in May. And I was meeting with, a, we, we, we've started a lot of uh, worship leader lunches and breakfasts. And so I was at one of them that happened to be at the same time that I was there. And I was, I was asking the leaders, I was like, D are you guys having a hard time getting people to come to a training? And they're like, oh yeah, like it's just, it's next to impossible. It's like, well, we'll do a training, you know, maybe we have 30 people on our, in our worship ministry and like the same eight will show up. Yeah. You know, like the people that don't really need to be there are going to show up and the people who really need to be there, they're not going to show up. 
And I was like, what, what is it? Why are we so lethargic and unmotivated, you know, in the church to come to things that are good and necessary, actually needful. Yeah. Um, and so it, it lit a fire in me to say, okay, I can't get you to come to a, 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 a training session at my church, get a passport. And we're going to go on a mission trip together as a team. Like, That's just cute. like go to the way, way to the other end, next level up, but yeah. come and see, come and interact with some worship team people here. Yeah. And just hear their stories. How did you get started playing? What what do you what's what's the cost for you every every week to do that? How did you get an instrument? How did you buy that? Yeah. You know, like just get in get into some different perspectives and get your mind opened up. Get out of the bubble for a minute and come here on a missions trip. I think it would be a, a fantastic bubble burster. Oh Buster? yeah. Well, I mean, me right? being in the church for so long, uh, you know, in my younger life, like I there was a big part of me that just, again, churches have different types of different churches have different types of focuses and things like that. And ours was very compartmentalized. Huh? Let's say that word. Meaning, meaning like I was the worship and creative arts guy. We didn't go on missions trips. That wasn't right. our department, you know, missions right. trips are for youth groups. And so that's for the youth leader. Yeah. And it's, that's so silly to me. It's so silly to me because practically speaking, like those who lead worship and, and I needed this myself. I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how much I needed it until after we went on our pilgrimage per se, but I couldn't write music until I went and was a part of compassion. Like I, I like literally speaking, I couldn't have passion for the gospel until I saw and felt compassion for a world in need of Christ. Yeah. And I mean, when, and this is something that of course you're, you're preaching to the choir, like being part of a mission organization for the past five years, like that's what we breathe with. Like we actually recognize that I can't actually lead worship. How am I supposed to lead you into the presence of God? If I have no idea how to love people and, uh, and that requires you go, that's, that's pretty powerful and necessary and needed. I think yeah. that I, I think it's wonderful. I want to come, you know, maybe I'll grab a, a group of people. We'll come out and do a, a, a short term in Costa Rica this year. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I am. For me, these are crucial things that I need to know to learn about from those who have gone before me. I want to invite you to join me in a new program I've got coming out very soon called Worship with the Word. One of the most powerful ways that we have connected people to God in the church today is with worship music. We've got worship music everywhere. It's now playing at fast food establishments and grocery stores. So if worship music is so prevalent, then why has the State of the Bible report in the past two years been telling us that less people are reading and engaging with the Bible? My thought, we don't really know the Word of God. Join me, Trent Walker, as we teach you a new way to worship the Lord called Worship with the Word. Sign up now to learn more about it at worshipwiththeword.com. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it reminds me of, of one of the things that struck me that, that my pastor said. Um, his perspective is the worship team is one of the most influential groups of people in the church. Yeah. You know, in terms of there's so visible 
Um, and so they need to be the, the most mature, the most grounded, the most well-discipled. It's like, have I ever heard a senior pastor say that? Wow. Of, of That's their pretty powerful. Yeah. Right. I was like, that is the whole reason why we're doing this podcast too, is because I, I recognize it as a teacher of the word of God in a college full of young people, the truth that like, oh my gosh, like another mentor of mine said it best this way. Cause we had a ministry uh, in Kona called end Bible poverty. Now it was a really cool ministry that Lauren Cunningham, yeah. uh, you know, kind of founded and, and it makes sense. It's like, well, you know, that's missions is when you get the word of God into people, it, you know, it, it means that you're spreading the gospel all over the world. Well, my mentor friend said, I have a mission to end Bible poverty among worship leaders. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, it's so true. And yeah. uh, I had the privilege of leading worship for this conference uh, a year and a half ago, the end Bible poverty now conference. And I shared with them oh this strange dilemma as I'm leading worship. I'm like, you know, this is what's wild in the church, in the body of Christ. I tend to see the worshipers don't ever read their Bible and the Bible scholars don't ever worship. <laughs> We've got to put an end to that. We really have to put an yeah. end because King David knew the word of God. I mean, you know, obviously we read the Psalms that that is the word of God. And you know, practically speaking, we didn't have worship leaders for a couple thousand years in the church. We had pastors who led people. Um, that's that's well well said of your pastor to to want to put discipleship and the word of God into the mouth of of the worship team. Um, mm -hmm. I have so many questions. I mean, there's there's probably so much that we could go on and talk about, but tell me just a little bit about what AdLib does and where people can find you. I want to hear, I want you to tell people about your book. I want you to tell people about the worship fertilizer because I think it's really good. I think they need to know about that. Okay, cool. Um, well, you know, like it's interesting that we're talking about people's inability to see themselves accurately, you know? The church is in a bubble. Um, we don't realize that we should be a lot further along in in our Bible knowledge, but in our in our in our closeness with God as worship leaders and worship team members. And so, the thing that Adlib tries to do is tries to be a mirror. You know, how, can you see yourself accurately? Because um, we we are a very relational team of coaches. There's a team of us that we're in Pennsylvania and Texas and Colorado. And um, we try to be a mirror to people as we walk alongside of you. Our heart is to, to encourage you. You know, there's, there's lots of different resources for worship leaders out there. Um, yeah. You can buy e-courses and video courses and, and go to conferences. And, and we champion those. Those are a part of the package. Our approach is walking alongside of you, meeting with you one-on-one, -on -one, helping you, helping you walk through the stuff of, of, of your, of your ministry. Um, the way we say it is, you know, we help you be the best version of yourself. We're not trying to make you a cookie cutter or anything else. There is no best way of doing things. That's so good. There's like, what's God calling you to be? Who is your church? What are your, what's your team like? All right, let's, what's, what, you know, and, and what we, what we do as coaches is we walk into a situation and we start imagining if this team or if this leader was the best version of itself, what would it, what would it, how would it differ? 
there's always gold in people. There's always a, 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 a unique calling and a benting and something special about that, about that person or that team, but it's often not shining. It's often not seen the way it is. It's often not as healthy as it is. And, you know, we, we developed a whole, it's kind of like a personality system for worship people. It's called the five faders where everybody's primarily motivated by being an artist, a shepherd, a priest, an educator, or a producer. Uh, and that's, that's interesting good. in and of itself, but the real interesting thing that, that, that deals with being the best version of yourself, you know, you can be, you can have, uh, you can be the most, you can have the highest fader of any one of those five, but you can be expressing it in a way that's unhealthy. Mm. So for instance, you can be an artist, but you can be a rock star artist and not a craftsman artist because a rock star artist is demanding, is hard to work with, has long rehearsals, is perfectionistic, is just no fun and doesn't, doesn't really get, um, the beauty and the emotion and all the wonder that they're trying to express because they're just, they're, they're unhealthy. But if you're a craftsman, you can take raw materials, unprepared, unskilled musicians and create things that are beautiful and that are useful. And so we walk in there and say, okay, what is this person's gift? And are they healthy, unhealthy? How can we help them become the most healthy version, the best version of who they are? It's so good. So, that's the coaching, the coaching process. And of course we do that one-on-one, we do guest leading, we do helping with hiring, we do retreats, uh, we do audio training, all, all those things that are, that are pretty common, but that's the, the uniqueness of our approach is that that's, it's relational and it's very um, tailored, you know, yeah. who are you and, and what's the best version of you? So, that's really um, cool. So I also have been since 2009 writing a uh, weekly blog. Well, it wasn't weekly. It was monthly for a long time. And then it became weekly a few years ago um, called the worship fertilizer. It's uh, what you need to grow in worship. Uh, and so uh, the worship fertilizer is, is just a short uh, email. that gets sent out every Wednesday morning to help encourage your hearts and equip your hands to lead worship. Well, um, and then I, I took the first hundred of those that we've written now, 396 was the one that went out this week. Um, so I took the first hundred and I put them into a book and that's available on Amazon. Oh, that's awesome. I want to I do the next several hundred, you know, at, at, in the right time. And yeah. then I'm, I'm working on writing a book on the five faders, um, so that people can take that to their teams and help their teams work. That's, that's one of the funnest things, uh, when we do either workshops or retreats, about the five faders where the team can start working through and like the conversations that they'll have, you know, during that, it's like, ah, that's why you do that. That's and good. it's always irritated me. And now I see the value in it. <laughs> that's so you know, good. like there's yeah. those conversations and that makes a team like ah, suddenly healthy. And that's, that's what we're going after because worship ministry should be the best, the best thing in the world. It should be, it should be a blast to be a part of. You know, Absolutely, like yeah. I still love it. You know, it's God, man, that's so good. Such good wisdom, Dave. Yeah, man, this is great. <laughs> good, to, good to hang out with you. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Before we leave, do you have any wild and crazy funny stories about leading worship? Something that just gets us thinking of how joyful it can be to lead worship and how we all make mistakes sometimes <laughs> oh man well you lead worship for a long time and there's a lot of things that don't go the way you expect them to go um i mean one small thing that that pops to mind is is the time where 
we were we were trying uh, tracks out, you know, clicks and tracks at, at the church I was serving at. And I came to find out later that oh, the click and the the cues and everything was in the the main speakers as well, not just the worship team was hearing the chorus <laughs> oh. two, three, four. Oh, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> that's great. Okay, okay. My wife, my wife used to call her the tooth lady because, yeah, because they're all triggers, right? So there's one and then there's two and then there's three and then there's four. But when you put them all together, it's one, tooth, three. She, she like runs the words together. So like for years, we would always be like, turn the tooth lady on one, tooth, three. I don't know. Silly. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Wow. And, and nowadays we have, you know, like that's the new big thing I teach is having an MD. It's a little bit more uh, flow, a little bit more um, still, still, you know, you can keep things precise, but somebody to, to keep things on, on track without losing the spontaneity of the moment. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Dave. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad you joined us for this podcast. Okay, so next week we are going to talk about the song Great Are You, Lord by All Sons and Daughters. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this. We're going to dig into it. We're going to pull it apart. We're really going to ask ourselves the question about this song because everybody's singing it. We're going to ask, what are we singing? 